Good morning. How we doing? I got a green light on my pack. I just got the go sign, so we're ready to go. All right, very good. Well, today is Change of Pace Sunday. Uh, we decided to do things different just because. No, there's several reasons why I want to uh, say thank you, Pastor Tim, for giving the opportunity to speak. He is taking some unscheduled and unplanned time away as he recuperates and recovers. Thank you for your prayers and uh, concern for him that his, from what he has told us, his thumb is healing up well, but he is doing the wise thing and working as much as possible to make sure it heals up completely. So um, I'm stepping in to, to fill in for him this week. So I appreciate you being here as well. I uh, know a little bit last minute this morning, we were, several of us were up early exchanging text. What do you think? What do you think? It's looking gray outside. It looks like it's going to rain. It's wet on the ground. Let's go inside. So I run inside. I grab my computer, flip it open, warm it up, get the, the note ready to go, and I hit send. And just as I hit send, this beautiful yellow streaming light floods my home. The sun came out, the clouds broke, birds were flying by our house singing, this is the day, this is the day, and here I am, through the inclement weather, we will be inside today. <laughs> so we're inside because there's just too much sunshine outside. Now, I, one of those things where, again, had to make a call, so we went this direction. Thank you for coming uh, and being part of the services. Uh, thank you to those of you who are joining us online and worshiping with us that way. We have said many times, many years ago, it's not about the building, it is about the body of Christ. And in this season, boy, aren't we reminded about that over and over again. It is about the body of Christ. In so many different ways, the body has stepped up and filled gaps and, and, and been here, and they've been flexible and adjusted. Uh, our, our, whether it be our sound team, whether it be our worship team, who's kind of like you're outside, no, you're inside, no, you're outside. It, it, everyone has just, to the best of their ability, just said, you know what, praise the Lord. We're just, no matter where we are, uh, even if we're under the J Street Bridge, we're going to just lift up our song and praise the Lord and worship him. So thank you for everyone for uh, your help with that. We are in the middle of a series called Reboot, Church Reboot, Renewed Hope and renewed focus. And we talked about what that word reboot means. And we got it from the idea of your computer. You know, if you reboot, it makes your computer work better. You know, most of the time, if you're having problems with your computer, you know, ever, anybody ever get that spinning wheel of weight? Yeah, you're usually never filled with the spirit. Come on, I pay for high speed. Come on. All right, we get the spinning wheel of weight. Uh, or how about, um, anybody you have a wireless mouse and it just doesn't work? Okay, you, you, normally, you know, we don't think maybe the battery's dead or maybe it's off, you know. Usually, here's my, yeah, we start slamming it on the desk. Let's get this thing working. What's going on? Why is it not working? Or uh, if you can remember back to the older days, anybody know what I mean when I say blue screen of death? Blue screen, I got some computer guys back there that are, yep, all right, that was always terrifying, right? Oh no, will it come back? But usually what is needed is, is you, you, you got to reboot that computer. And when you reboot it, you know, the memory starts working, process, or processing properly, the processor gets back to optimum speed, 
Uh, it begins working in optimal conditions. And for those of you who are just like me and really don't understand what all that means, it's magic, okay? It's just magic the way that worked, uh, apparently. So we as individuals as well have times where we need to just stop and reboot. Things aren't growing right. You know, simple decisions are being missed. Uh, this, all things are just not clicking. You just know things aren't right. And the same thing is with our church body as well. From time to time, we just need to stop, reevaluate, and kind of figure out what are we doing and why, and reboot, and, and, and reallocate our resources and kind of our direction of what we're doing. It's also to important to remember this as well. Rebooting is normal. Okay, so some, some people may think, oh, I got a reboot. I, clearly, I've, it's because of failure. It's because of... What, no, rebooting is actually very, very normal. It, it, it's, it's something that we should purposely work into our personal routine. You know, I'm really bad about rebooting my computer. I usually have like 38 tabs in Google Chrome open. I've usually, usually got about six or eight Windows documents, a few things in Publisher. So I've got all these things open and I really, really, really don't want to close them because that means I got to figure out what's where and, and reopen them all and these different things. So I usually just leave my computer on and thankfully the computer pops up this little yellow dot in the bottom and says, hey, you've got updates, you've got to reboot. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've got to do that. And so, yeah, I, I don't get mad at my computer, you stinking piece of junk. How dare you need to reboot? Now, I recognize this is part of what it needs to do to work its best. And so I close all my stuff, and I take notes sometimes, remember to open this, get that back open, don't forget them out, and I'll reboot the computer. And, and I'm okay with it because I realize that's what it needs. And that's the same thing that we need to realize about ourselves. From time to time, we ourselves also need to reboot. We're in one of those seasons right now as well, you know, as a church body, are we inside, are we outside, do we meet, do we not meet, how do we do this, what's, what is the edict of the week this time, you know, how, how do we respond to that, how do we treat our neighbors well, uh, and, and it can even begin to spill over in our, a lot of our personal life, you know, um, <laughs> If, if things close back down again, what about my job? Uh, will I be essential? Am I considered non-essential? What does that mean? Uh, if I have to work from home, will there be enough work to be full-time? Uh, will I be able to work from home if, if things close down? You know, I've got kids. Dad's home. Let's play. I'm working. No, let's play. You know, can I even do that? Um, oh, how about this? I'm at Walmart. I forgot my mask, but I really need milk. I'm going to run in. Are they going to kick me out? Is somebody going to look at me sideways and want to, you know, smack me for not wearing a mask? Uh, you know, if I see somebody that I know, are they going to think I'm a total jerk for not wearing my mask? That guy has been walking in front of me. He's been lifting his mask and coughing down the entire aisle. Great. The one day I forgot my mask, I'm dead. I'm going to die. It's over. It, 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 the world feels like that right now. That is, it, we, we kind of joking situation but honestly our insides are just churning with a lot of different things that is, that is going on there is 
a lot of pressure. Every time I talk with someone, yeah, I can feel it. I can't always put my finger on exactly what it is, but there is pressure. There is frustration. Things that uh, used to be just go to the store and get them, you can't. I got a giant hole in my deck, and I need 12-foot pressure-treated deck boards. And I went to Lowe's the other day, and I was like, yes, there's some! I loaded up my truck, and I got them, and I pushed them in, and they went thunk down to the bottom. And I thought, huh, the 12-footers never did that before. They were 10-footers! And I got mad! But then I said, nope, it is what it is, that's what I got, so I've got four foot of scrap now. I'll figure something out. If anybody needs four foot scrap pressure-treated lumber, see me, $1,000. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but it's just, just, it is what it is right now. And there's so many things that are so frustrating, and it's just right there below the surface constantly that we are dealing with. And so this morning, you know, I wanted to talk about this. In America, we have a saying for times like this. Let's see if you know what it is. When the going gets tough, all right, the tough get going. <laughs> well, what I, I want to kind of turn that a little bit because when we talk about the tough get going, we kind of get the focus back on us, right? I can do this. I can get, I've got the strength. I'm going to get my way. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. But what Scripture tells us, and what we're going to look at today is this. It's going to get tough. Remain faithful. Not as cool, right? Because it's like, well, no, I like the tough get going. Let's get it done. Let's, you know. No, it's going to get tough. We know that. Scripture tells us that. We're living in some of it right now remain faithful just hold on to those two words remain faithful let's let, let's let's go to the lord and pray lord we pray for your wisdom we pray for your strength help us to reorient and reboot our minds refocus on you and, and, and put our hope in you there is uh again so much anxiety so much struggle so much pressure that are that is going on right now in this world things are going sideways it feels like what's up is down what's down is up what makes common sense is being completely ignored. There's just there's so much. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be your people who are faithful. Help us to connect to your word and to truth and obey it no matter what. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You know, so much of Scripture can sound easy enough. Right? Let's just take this one example. Again, let's, let's see. Yeah, I'm sure you know what it is. Love your neighbor. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm sure if I took a quick poll, a quick survey, if I said your neighbor across the street just pulled into their driveway, lifted their trunk, and they've got gobs of groceries, would you go over and help them unload their groceries? I'm sure everyone would be like, absolutely, right? Nobody's going to sit there and go, nah, I'm going to watch this show on Netflix for the 38th time. No, okay. Uh, most people in here are like, yeah, let's, let's, go, let's go help our neighbor. All right, let, let's change the situation up a little bit. It's mid-October. It's one of those blustery, windy, it's not cold enough to snow yet, but the raindrops are this big. You're outside for 10 seconds and you're soaked 
it is cold, bone-chilling cold. You're inside, you've got your pajama pants and sweatshirt on, and your fuzzy little slippers with a piping hot cup of cold, or sorry, of hot cider. And you look out your window at that sideways rain, and there's the same neighbor. Trunk open, bags of groceries. What do you do? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? That gets a lot more difficult. I'll admit, I'd be kind of like, I didn't see that. <laughs> I, would, I would wrestle with that one because, you know, that cold rain coming inside. I would much rather it be snowing, and I'm from Florida, than the sideways cold rain, okay? All right, so maybe some of you still say, yep, I'd get out there and do that, and I commend you for that. I would wrestle with it. I know I need to, and then hopefully I would. Uh, but but let's, let's, let's add one more to that. You're standing there sipping on your hot cup of apple cider, and you remember just the day before, one of the kids left the back door open, and you had no idea that little Fifi ran out the back door, across the street, and proceeded to leave her calling card right in the neighbor's yard. And there you were, not just, just going along on your day, not knowing what was going on, but your phone begins to ring in your pocket. And you pick it up. Oh, it's the next door neighbor. Hello? And just as you say hello, you look through the window, you see Fifi, you see what Fifi's doing, and there's the neighbor with a big giant scowl on his face going, um, excuse me, and then proceeds to give you an earful for what your dog's doing. Fast forward to the next day with the sideways rain and the groceries. Do we still love our neighbor as ourselves? This gets hard, doesn't it? When we begin to throw life into some of this stuff, because the quick Sunday school answer is, yes, you go and you unload, and, but in reality, don't we wrestle and struggle, and it gets frustrating, and we fight, and, and a lot of times we say, yeah, yeah, I understand scripture, but at the end of the day, how many of us struggle with actually following through on scripture? And we could go through all kinds of different scenarios about how we can end up struggling putting our faith into action. The, the truth be told, most of us, if not all of us, are working through daily struggles, uh, faith struggles, right now. We're in a time period where uh, we're going to be tempted to say, you know what? I'm pressing pause on this whole faith thing, and we're just going to get through this. When this all clears up, when it all goes away, then I'm going to look and see how I can get re-engaged. But for right now, it's over. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm going to just push pause on this. But we know that that's not really an option. And honestly, at some level, I can understand that emotion. Absolutely. But we got to recognize that we can't do that. That's not what we're called to do, and that is not who we are called to be. You know, the world says when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Today we're going to see how Paul is teaching the Corinthians and he is thereby teaching us as well that the going will get tough. Remain faithful. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
We're going to read verses 13 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The word of the Lord says this, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now, now the preceding verses above this, Paul is very blunt. In verses 7 through 10, we looked at this last week, talking about the treasure in jars of clay, that being the gospel. He goes on to say, we're afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So here's where we kind of go back and reflect on last week. It's going to get tough. Paul's saying to the Corinthians, get used to that. That is normal. Okay, that, that is normal. Life's not going to be easy. In fact, if you think about it, prosperity gospel, which can be very, very uh, easily received here in America, prosperity gospel, it only works in the middle to upper class Western life. Going to uh, the, the, the jungles of Brazil where we have one of our missionaries working and try to teach the prosperity gospel and see how that works. Or, or, or take that prosperity gospel into a war-torn Syria and tell people if you'll just do what is right, God's going to rain down all kinds of blessings where being a Christian there could very, very quickly and very, very easily cost them their life. It doesn't work. It's not true. Paul's telling the Corinthians here, not a prosperity gospel, but he's telling them, hey, you can expect a struggle, and we should expect it too. It is very unfortunate, but, but there are times in life where we're going to hurt. All right, there are times in life, and a lot of times that time is just, it seems like it's never going to stop. There are times in life where we're going to struggle. We're going to be betrayed by people that you thought were your friends. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be laughed at, dismissed, ignored, even persecuted, especially if you decide to live a gospel-centered and Christ-honoring life. And it's in these times where we have to work hard, not through our strength, but through the Spirit, by, 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 by getting in line with the Spirit by sticking close to the Word of God. It is in these times that we have to work to remain faithful. Take a look at verse number 13. All right, Paul says that, that we have this same spirit of faith. And I don't know in, in where you are in your, your translation, but in the ESV here, it's got in quotes, I believed and so I spoke. You should probably, if you have cross-references in your Bible, either quotes there or, or a little letter that kind of tells you where that came from. That, that actually points back to Psalm 116. So I want you to go to Psalm 116 if you have the, your Bibles with you. Psalm 116.10 to be exact. We're going to go there in just a moment. But Psalm 116 is part of a group of psalms known as the Hallel or praise. Right? You might look at that word and say that looks familiar. It looks a lot like hallelujah, doesn't it? All right, so it's part 
of those psalms. All right, and it's quite possible, actually, that this is one of the psalms that was sung at uh, the, the Last Supper, at the, at the Lord's Supper. It could have been one of the songs that they sang. It was, it was a psalm, it was one of the songs that they would sing in celebration and in and feast days and holidays uh, that they did. So, so it's an important psalm. And, and, and what this is in 2 Corinthians is what's known as an ellipsis. A lot of times, <clears throat> how many of you uh, have out, out there a bit, have written papers? I know, Stuart, you're writing a paper every other day, it seems like, for your school. All right. If you've written a paper, if you can hearken back to school, you remember writing the term paper? For me, it was senior year of high school. You had to write the big for what I thought at that time and, and age, what, the, the 10-page paper, right? And you had to have so many quotes in it, all right, supporting quotes. Something's very important in academia world. We just don't go out there and express our opinion and don't back it up. You got to have quotes. You got to have sources. Similar to that, but not exactly the same thing. All right, what, what this ellipsis is, of course, again, with, back in those days, they didn't have much parchment, so they had to be careful how much they used. So they would insert a short piece of passage. But what that was to the reader was a reminder, go back, and if you don't have this memorized already, which possibly this being one of the Hallel songs, they, they would have had this memorized. But they said, go back and look at this. Find the main thought. Find what this means and bring that into this passage of Scripture. So when he's, what he's saying here in this ellipsis, uh, I believe, so I spoke, it's telling them to go back and look at this passage in one, uh, Psalm 116. So let's go back and look. We're just going to look at 10 to 14. I would encourage you to take time. This is a beautiful piece of scripture to go back and read over this on your own time. But we're going to look just at verse 10 through 14, which says this. I believed <coughs> even when I spoke. And in quotes, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm or I said in my haste, all mankind are liars. You ever been that? Everyone is a jerk. Basically, you could kind of put that in paraphrase. All mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. You take a look at this psalm, you see somebody who is exasperated. You see someone who is struggling, who is frustrated. He's at the end of his rope. He's just, <clears throat> he's ready to give up and dismiss everyone, but he stops. And even in that moment, rather than go down that path, which we know where that goes, that, that's a mess. That's just, that's, that's just a mess to go down that path. Rather than to go that way, he says, I got to stop. I got to reorient. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? On one hand, he's ready to dismiss everyone and just kind of walk away and build up that emotional wall and says, everyone keep out. But he stops. So we see struggle, we see exasperation, we see frustration, but we see reorientation. The psalmist puts his eyes back on the Savior. Though we don't know exactly what the circumstances are here in this psalm, we see the reality of someone at his breaking point in life. 
and says, even though I'm ready to write everyone off, I'm going to remain faithful. You ever deal with frustration? All right. Has life ever been fair? Every day, right? Have you had to struggle and muddle through circumstance after circumstance after circumstance thinking, when is this ever going to stop? Since we've moved here, um, we kind of on one hand joke about this, but on the other hand kind of scratch our head and go, what's going on? And Krista and I feel like our kids have been in a competition of who can outdo the other one in injuries and surgeries. Started off when we first moved here, whenever we had a bike race go awry and in for a broken arm. And that would be Sophia. So she started it off as a good first child would. Alexana says, I can top that. So she ends up having the, the second in line here that has a knee surgery. And that was bad enough. Because then, you know, at least with a broken arm, the worst we had to do was go to state college, get cast on, go back to state college, get cast on. Now, she's going, got us going back and forth to Danville. That's a bit of a hike. All right? Go back and forth to Danville several times. She tries a brace. That doesn't work. Okay, we're going to have to have surgery. Okay. We'll get her there for surgery. Marked off something off of my never really wanted to do bucket list. Okay, I dropped her off for the surgeries early in the morning. I clearly had not had enough coffee. I swing through the parking lot. I'm trying to get parked real quick. I hit the curb so hard that I popped my tire. I've never popped, I mean, I've had flat tires, but I never popped the tire. So I miss the entire surgical, I come in at the very end when she's finally waking and eating ice chips and popsicles and all that stuff. So she has the surgery, so she's, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And then a little while after that, has to have her tonsils removed. Clearly a classic overachiever, okay? So now she's got, I've got two surgeries. So along comes COVID, and along comes Ella, and then our four children, obviously there's no true middle point, but she would be the closest thing that we would have, God bless her, to a middle child. And she's kind of like, I'll see you, and I'll raise you. She's in for kidney surgery, a six-hour pretty major kidney surgery to correct something that is not going on there. Game, set, match. Middle child wins. Krista and I are in serious discussion now about wrapping JJ in bubble wrap and starting him on the Daniel Plan uh, diet just to be safe. Uh, okay, okay, so it's like, let's, let's just give Ella the title and be done with it. But, you know, it's circumstance after circumstance after circumstance, and they begin to pile up, and you begin to think, what in the world is going on, and how do we make this stop? And I would love to be able to come to you this morning and say, in the midst of all of this, my faith remained firm and my focus was on the Lord. No, there were days when I was pulling out my hair. There were days in in frustration, my prayer was less than reverent. There were days full of anxiety and frustration and I was upset and I was mad at circumstances. Sometimes I was mad at God. How foolish is that? It's like, you know, 
This is the same one who I'll say all the time, God's not going, oops, surprise me, I didn't realize that was going to happen. He knew. Uh, so, so I'd love to tell you that, man, in all that I remain faithful. Not always. Too many times in that journey, I look more like a, a, a Moses that struck the rock out of anger rather than spoke to it. Too many times in that journey, I look too much like a Peter whose words were not good rather than being words that should have been faithful. Too many times in that journey, I look a lot like Jacob who, rather than resting in the faithfulness of God, would like to step in and get things done Life can be very heavy. And when, when, when life gets heavy like that, we inevitably come to points where we have to either decide to remain faithful or whether we're going to step in and try our own way. And in those moments, I'm sure you felt this way, just like the psalmist did in Psalm 116.10. He's ready to assign everyone else as a liar. Write everyone off and just be done with a lot of you. I, I'm sure we've all had moments where we felt that way. Our words and our attitudes and our actions towards other become hurtful because we're not being led by the Spirit. But we're being self-protective by either lashing out to push people away or withdrawing in into isolation to keep everyone else out. I know because it's how I operate far too many times. And it's not how we're supposed to respond. And it's one thing to know it. And it's another thing to put it into practice. Both the psalmist here and Paul are calling us to reboot, if you will. And when we feel the pressures and the anxieties and the trials and the tribulations and all the pressure that this life brings to us, we're called to be like the psalmist here and to reorient. It's not wrong to feel the pressure. It's not wrong to even be frustrated at trials. It's not wrong even to just be exasperated, but it is wrong to stay there and to not allow that to cause us to reorient and look to our Savior. And when we do that, we find strength in Jesus' faithfulness, which took him through struggles and ultimately to the cross in a borrowed tomb. And in that story, we know this. We know that the enemies thought it's done. It's over. We've won. But we know that's not really where the story ended. But it's where it began. And it's where our strength begins as well. So how do we remain faithful when the going gets tough? Let's very quickly, three things. Number one, remember and reflect on our suffering Savior. Jesus, perfect Son of God, creator and sustainer of the universe, came to earth as the child of simple peasants, lived as a member of an oppressed people group, and by his own admission, didn't even own his own home. He was funded by the charity of others. 
particularly several women in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. He was rejected by his own family and his neighbors where he grew up. And he was constantly excoriated by the religious. On and on what could go if you look at the life of Jesus and see how much he endured in his time on earth. In your life struggles and, and in your suffering, remember this, that Jesus is well acquainted with struggle and suffering. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us, for we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Later in Hebrews, the author would say that, that Jesus endured hostility from sinners. Isaiah describes Jesus in Isaiah 53 by saying he was despised. He was rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He goes on to say that Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Jesus is well acquainted with what it means to suffer, but he went through it because he loved you and he loved humanity. He endured it, as Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him. And that joy was that we could be redeemed and our relationship with a holy God reestablished and that we will one day live in perfect joy and harmony with our God, our creator, and savior. So when things get tough, number one, remember and reflect on our suffering savior. Number two, remember and reflect on our future promise. As we reflect on the sufferings of Christ and his resurrection, we're able to pull our eyes away from the troubles of this present world and look forward in faith to our eternal future. Think about the power in these words back in our text. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where it says this, He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. We should not only remember and reflect on our suffering Savior, but we should remember and reflect on our future promise. And number three, remember this, remember and reflect on our present purpose. Verse 15, Paul says, for it is all. All what? Go back and look at the the context, go back and read through 7 through 10, all the suffering, all the troubles, all the trials, all the afflictions, all the persecutions, all of this, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. I was going to use this as an example this morning, but we're now inside. What I was going to say, we have it very good because typically one of our biggest struggles on a Sunday morning like this is if I'm going to get wrapped up before the sun gets moved to a place where you've lost your shadow under your canopy, okay? Anybody been there on Sunday morning? Kind of like, okay, 
I'm going to have to move my seat because this is going to go a little bit longer. All right, but we're inside, so it feels good. We got the air on. Probably half of you too hot, half of you too cold. That's okay. Praise God for air conditioning, right? All right, so we, we, have, we have it good here. On the other hand, I do want to say this. I don't want to dismiss struggle because I know there is a, a, a lot of struggle that is going on in people's lives. All right, there is. There's a lot of frustration. There's a, there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of anxiety. It's very high. It's very palpable right now. All right, there are people that are, that are deeply hurting among us. All right, there are hearts that are breaking over the loss of loved ones or, or the sickness of loved ones right now. There, there are hearts that are breaking over wayward children. There are hearts that are breaking over and hurting over your current economic situation. What's going to happen? Am I going to make rent? Is a legitimate question that a lot of people are facing right now. There are hearts hurting due to betrayal and a breaking of trust. There are hearts breaking over people you love and that you know for sure don't know Christ. There are hearts that are breaking knowing that someone close to you is sick with cancer or COVID or dementia or many, many other illnesses. Right now it feels like the only thing that is certain is uncertainty. And for whatever reason, that rocks us to our core. There are hearts breaking, dealing with the pressures of our current day-to-day -day life, the upheaval, the arguing, the hatred that is so prevalent. So what do we do? Remain faithful. And I want to be very clear here on this. When I say remain faithful, okay, there, there is not, I, I say that, not saying that as a cure. If you'll just remain faithful, God's going to part the clouds, the sun's going to come out, and life's going to be great. It might be that nothing changes in the struggle at all. But we still have to remain faithful. So what does that look like? It, it, it doesn't have to be extravagant. I think sometimes we like the big stories. We like the big storybook endings. We like it when everything comes together. And off the prince and princess ride into the sunset ready to live happily ever after right we love those kind of stories but we also recognize there's a reason why we call them fiction and fairy tale because rarely is that the way it goes so what does faithful look like this this week as i was reading through through scripture i saw an absolutely beautiful picture of what faithfulness looked like sometime i hope that you'll look at matthew 27 verses 55 and 56 it is the story in matthew of calvary they're at the cross. Jesus had been abandoned by all his disciples, except for John. He had literally been betrayed by Judas. Money is worth more than your relationship, is what J Judas had told Jesus. He had been denied and cursed by Peter. He was being mocked by everyone around him, including those dying on other crosses alongside him if we read through this story too quickly we'll miss it verses 55 and 56 show us what remaining faithful looks like it says this there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed jesus from galilee ministering to him 
among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Imagine with me, if you will, what the emotion must have been there at the cross. For these women standing, even though far off, they, they, they had to see every ugly and brutal moment. Saw bruised and battered Jesus. Listening to the ugly, disgusting insults being thrown at him. To feel the agony as they watch each tortured breath that he took. To feel like all hope was lost. But there they stood, remaining faithful. And that's what the scripture is calling us to as well. And in struggling moments, when life is ugly, when it just feels torturous even to get out of bed, remain faithful. Rest assured in God's present purpose for you right now. Know that there is never any wasted pain with God. You aren't hurting because God forgot about you or because he enjoys watching you hurt. We don't have a sadistic God. All right? He has purpose. He wants you to be part of his plan to extend grace to more and more people. And as that happens, the scripture here says that thanksgiving will increase to the glory of God. It's when we get here, what we feel like is the rock bottom, the end, that we can look up and we can move into verse 16, which states, so we do not lose heart. But that's going to be for Pastor Tim next week. He can pick that up here. But for today, I just want you to remember these things. Remember and reflect on our suffering Savior. Remember and reflect on our future promise. Remember and reflect on our present purpose. Father, we come to you a needy and hurting people. Far too often, with our mouths, we say we recognize our inadequacies, but with our lives, we live like we are in control. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to remain faithful, even if it just means sticking to what we know we should do just for today. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Bless our time today. Bless those that are struggling here. Just, God, help us as a body to minister to one another. If there are people today that are hurting, that need prayer, that need uh, some kind of, of, of help in, in any way, shape, or form, I pray that they would speak to someone and share their need and that we as a body would come alongside and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bless our time this afternoon. I just pray that, that your word would sink deep in our hearts and into our minds so that it's not just something that we know, but it's something that we live. We ask this in your son's name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.